Liberty Station is brought to you by my good friends at Devoted Capital, where they believe how you profit matters. They're dedicated to helping you align your investments with your values, empowering you to a life well-lived. Bryce Eddy here coming at you from the Liberty Station Studios where we are a threat to the Great Reset and um, today's guest I really don't know much about but I'm excited because Amber Bishop came from Australia here recently and she's going to tell me what that experience was like and uh, I was told you got to have her on so (laughs) here we are Amber. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad you came in, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your story. But uh, but first, you are a photographer. I am, yes. And uh, aside from getting your shoulder all busted up in an accident, <laughs> you also uh, surf and hang out in the water and all that stuff, right? Absolutely, yes. I'm a lifestyle photographer. I do anywhere from weddings, but essentially I'm trying to gear my business to be doing more ocean-based surf photography products in the water. So, all right. Yeah. So give me kind of your quick little bio and history just so the audience knows who you are, and then uh, and then let's get into your story. All right. So I am... I'm originally from California. I'm a California girl. I grew up on a sailboat. In you look like California girl. I am, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Born and raised. Well, kind of. I was uh, four years old when my parents uh, traded our home for a 43-foot sailboat in San Diego, and we moved aboard. And then when I was 10, we left San Diego, and we sailed around the entire Pacific Rim for seven years. So oh, I wow, was that's awesome. yeah, <laughs> homeschooled my whole life. And then when we came back, I was 17 been in Ventura. Um, until I moved to Australia for love when right. I was 27 years old. Okay, so so first, got to tell me a little bit about going around the sure. uh, world being homeschooled on a <laughs> sure. boat. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, so actually my parents were Christian missionaries, and um, my dad felt really called to go to Japan. And we did visit by plane when I was three, and we what he found was it's just very expensive there. Um, and then he felt like the only way that it would be possible is if we sailed a boat there and had our own home everywhere we went. And mm-hmm. growing up in Newport and learning to sail at a young age, it was kind of a good fit for him. And um, so, yeah, he was a carpenter by trade, and then he turned into a boat builder and outfitted our vessel, and yeah. Well, wow. what now? What size was it? You said forty-three foot. Okay, yeah. yeah, Columbia. It was a racing design, nineteen seventy racing design. But then he turned it into a cruising vessel, and you know, water maker, generator, extra refrigeration, and water storage. And, oh, awesome! Mm-hmm, yeah. All right, now does that leave you still enjoying boats, or are you yeah. like, I'm done with that? <laughs> so actually, my parents still live on the same boat I was raised on in the Ventura Harbor. Oh, fun! Um, and before I moved to Australia, I was big into the racing racing circuit. I love sailing. It's a passion of mine. And in when I was in Australia, bucket list was I really wanted to crew on the Sydney to Hobart, that crazy race that, you know, goes into weather, leaves on Boxing Day, day after Christmas. And it hasn't happened. It probably won't ever happen because I really don't have much desire to go back to Australia. So yeah, boats. <laughs> boats, yeah, yes. Cool. Love them. Yeah, well that's uh that's always been on kind of my list but um you know I'm a man of a thousand hobbies so I've yep. never quite made it but I always wanted to learn to sail and you know I'm not too old yet so, it's a good you know. one no yeah. it's a good one it's it's good on the body too it's not too aggressive on the body as we age yeah yeah good <laughs> good 
All right. So um, aside from, you know, landing in Australia for love, tell me, um, <laughs> tell me how that happened and when and all that good stuff. So, yeah. So in 2011, I um, long story, but through social media, I had a long distance relationship with a man that I fell in love with. And so I moved my two children over to Australia. We got married. We had another um, child together. And then things did not work out. And um, I'll save you the details, but it wasn't pretty. And because we had a child together, though, I couldn't just up and come back to the United right. States. And it was a pretty hard pill to swallow because Australia is a beautiful country, but it's very different to the U.S. And my, my initial thoughts on Australia is that it is very much a socialized country. And that was, you know, nearly 12 years ago. Yeah, so, so first... For people who have not experienced Australia at all, um, mm -hmm. what were, when you first got there, what were some of your thoughts about it that, okay, you know, this isn't, you know, just another, you know, United States kind of a place. Mm -hmm. What what were your initial feelings, both good and bad, like when you, when you got there and discovered it? It felt like a very small town. It has a very small town feel. Even I was in Sydney, which is the most populated city in Australia. Um, it has a very small town feel. Um, there's only 25 million people in right. the entire country, and it's a continent, and it's quite a large one. Yeah. <laughs> so it had that feel to it. Um, it is beautiful. There's a lot of untouched places. Their beaches rival ours and, like, blow us away, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember, in fact, this was just recently, um, seeing a little special on Australia as to how much of it is pretty much completely uninhabited mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, because it is massive if you just yeah. look you know at, at its sheer geographic size compared to yes you know even the US and all that stuff it's it's pretty enormous Yes. And everybody's concentrated in just a you know few little sort of coastline areas. Yeah, they all are on the coastal fringes because it's a very flat country. We don't have you know the mountain ranges and the snowpack and you know so it's and they have really not had a need to kind of press out into the interior because there's just so much space really. Right. But in Sydney, it didn't. Fit. It's quite congested in Sydney. Right. But um, yeah. So my initial, my initial feeling on Australia is that it's beautiful. It's untouched. However, goods and services are scarce. It's very expensive there. Um, they tax everything, and that kind of is your first clue that hey, there's something else going on here. Like, they're tax on alcohol, cigarettes. Which hey, we don't need that stuff. However, when you're paying $45 for a pack of cigarettes, you go, what is going on here? And the wow. truth is, is all the money that they're charging is going back into their welfare system so that they can kind of even everything out. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what are some of those other things that you started to see over time, you know, before we get into the real tyranny mm -hmm. experience? But what, mm -hmm. are, what were also some of those other leading indicators that, oh, yeah, it could go that way? Well, leading indicators was my daughter was two at the time that we moved there. And then obviously a year later, I had another child and just looking into the daycare system. Uh, with the crossover, the vaccination from the U.S., just the childhood vaccinations, one of them was missed on my daughter's um, card that they say, and it's a totally different system. Their, theirs was digital. Um, 
And so because of that, I could not get a subsidy for childcare because what happens is, is if you do not meet the vaccination requirements, and again, this is back in 2011, um, then you don't get a subsidy. And if you don't get a subsidy, you cannot afford childcare. It's out of control expensive. Wow. So right off the bat, they mm-hmm. had pretty strict, you know, uh, vaccination requirements, uh, you know, even, right. you know, prior to COVID and Correct. everything else. So they were, they were pretty tight on all of that yes. anyway. Yeah. And talking to other moms, I said, well, what happens if you don't agree? Like, or what happens if your child has, you know, special needs and you just don't feel like it's the right. And they're like, well, you have to be independently wealthy or you keep your kids at home. There was just no other option. You can't get an exemption. It's just like, this is the way or else. Yeah, or good luck. (laughs) Yeah. With the consumer price index increasing yet again, the stock market has been in absolute turmoil. What's our illustrious leader doing to quell the surge of inflation? Oh, yeah spending more money and adding to the burden. Don't bury your head in the sand while your savings get decimated. Do something about it. Diversify into gold with Birch Gold. Text LIBERTY to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. These are great people with almost 20 years' experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs. Don't allow the left to devalue your savings. Text LIBERTY to 989898 and claim your free info kit from Birch Gold. Again, you can own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account, and Birch Gold will help you to do it. Join their thousands of satisfied customers and secure peace of mind for the upcoming storm. Text LIBERTY to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. Okay, so um, let's start getting into the story a little bit of what you experienced during COVID and mm-hmm. and all of that. And uh, so, to, you know, kind of start at the beginning as to when you started to see that they were going, okay, we're locking you down and, you know, all of that. Yeah, so I, I actually uh, got a job as a flight attendant for Qantas, which is the national carrier mm-hmm. over there. And I was a flight attendant for them for seven years. <clears throat> and so we were hearing these reports very early on that, you know, this could be really big. I actually flew home to to the United States on the 11th of March, 2020, against, you know, my, my bosses at Qantas were like, if you go, like, you might not get back because we're hearing things coming down that we might be ceasing service. But I really needed to see my grandma and my family here. And so um, I had been in California uh, for three or four days when I started getting messages from staff back in Australia going DFAT, which is the Department of, you know, Foreign whatever. I don't even know what the acronym is. I just know them by DFAT. But basically, they came out with an article and said... DFAT? DFAT, Department of Foreign... I don't know. Whatever, whatever. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, They basically came out in an article and said, if you are an Australian and you want to ride out COVID in Australia, get home immediately. I think that was on the 18th. Now, did you... Did you have your kids no. with you or they were there in Australia? They were there okay, in Australia. Okay, so you're like, I got to get back. I was right. like, yeah. And so I had been flying on staff travel. And when I flew to California on the 11th, there I was in business class with like five other people. The planes were flying empty because everybody right. was really scared. Right. Um, I looked online and you could not find 
a seat on a plane out of the United States to Australia anywhere. It was like overnight, everybody was trying to get home. Oh, well. And um, I actually had a real faith moment. I, I prayed and I felt like I needed to get up to San Francisco. Um, and I'm in this rental car and I made it and there was no seats on the plane. Long story short, I ended up getting a seat on a United flight and made it back on the day that we found out later was the day that over 100,000 Australians were stranded overseas and took some of them up to a year to be allowed back into their home country. Which is pretty crazy because if you, yeah, if you are stuck, um, mm-hmm. I mean, forget just the overreacting implications of this all, but if you are stuck, you know, outside mm-hmm. of your home country, unable to really work mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they're, they're not letting people work, plus everything's shutting down anyway, mm-hmm. you know, what are you going to get to mm-hmm. live on? Um, you're at the subject of, you know, charity at that point, right, you right. Know, or just depleting your savings if you even have enough to ride a year out. Right. Not to mention my youngest son was like two and a half. Wow. And, you know, my heart was like, I just have to get, I just have to get to my family. So I was very, very fortunate and I knew it. Like, I yeah. mean, when I landed in Australia, <clears throat> I actually was very torn. I felt it was really, really hard leaving and saying goodbye to my family because I felt in my heart that this was going to be really bad, like nothing we'd ever experienced before. Mm-hmm. But it, I was still not prepared for what actually happened in Australia and what they were prepared to do to us. Yeah. Now, your thought process at that time were you... Because I had a brief moment or two um, where I thought, okay, is this really going to be a thing? Mm-hmm. Or is this like, you know, all of the other things that they, you know, blow out of proportion or tell right. us the end of the world is nigh and, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't end up being anything other than a big, you know, mm-hmm. nothing burger. Right. Um, were, were you pretty like, okay, maybe we are all going to die? <laughs> well, I actually... Nothing wrong with that, by the way. I actually didn't think so. I remembered being really freaked out when the swine flu pandemic was mm-hmm. happening and... And then kind of leaned into faith and and yeah. logic, <laughs> and I um, was looking at numbers and kind of what was happening. And I I kind of was on the fence, to be mm-hmm. honest. I mean, I'd been on two flights. I still hadn't got COVID. As soon as we landed back in Australia, um, they quarantined me at home for two weeks. I wasn't right. allowed to leave home, and I was. I, I would put stories up on my Instagram of me in my backyard and I had fellow employees report me to my bosses at Qantas because they thought I was actually out of my boundaries of my home. That's how narky it was over there. So gross. It was really, really gross. And you know what? Those people that did that um, will probably never apologize, never admit they were wrong. Um, What I've heard recently is, well, it was the best information we had at the time. In order to justify. Right. Now, forget the fact that so many of us were saying, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. This is not right. This is not how you handle a quote-unquote pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, you, they'll never apologize. No. No, there will never be an apology. And, I mean, I think the most disgusting thing about the whole two years of lockdown in Australia was when we finally did get the numbers and we had the knowledge there was still more than half, I'd say 70% of the population still supporting the the closed border, still supporting, you know, ridiculous measures that were literally killing people. I forget who, um, 
a friend of mine or somebody I had on the show, but they they called them COVID enthusiasts. <laughs> and I thought that that was a perfect description, you know, because, you know, COVID idiots and, you know, uh-huh. COVID idiots or whatever, you know, all of those other terms that are a little bit more disparaging uh-huh. don't quite capture the spirit because, yes, I do believe they were idiots. I do believe that they were flat out wrong. I believe they were hypochondriacs. <laughs> um, but... They were so enthusiastic about it. Like every time a report came out and showed that like, oh, there's a spike, you know, I mean, they were like excited, like pumped up. They got excited. And and then those same people really got into, you know, telling you to, you know, pull your mask above our ears. What are you doing? You know, (laughs) they were into it. So I think COVID enthusiasts is the the best term. It's a good one. Yeah, Yeah, I like that term. Yeah. And they were very enthusiastic in Australia. So, I mean, immediately I was stood down from flying for I think 10 weeks to start and then they would put us up and we'd, we'd fly empty planes for a couple of days to stay current on our requirements and uh-huh. then they'd stand us back down. Um, and largely... Were I, you getting paid during that time? Like so even though we were you weren't getting, flying or how so were they doing Qantas was getting handouts from the government to then pay the employees. Right. Um, they actually got hauled into court because they misused those funds and 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 utilized them to to let go like twenty five hundred ground staff. That, I that mean, doesn't sound like the big corporate entities. I know. What are you no, talking about? No, <laughs> I know, I know, because they're the spirit of Australia. That's their tagline. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. <laughs> so yeah. So as things went on, you know, we. Australians were lauding themselves because they eradicated COVID from Australia's borders and we were able to open up inside. Now, as an American with family in the United States, yeah, I I was not, I was like, I don't, I don't need to go out in Australia. What I need is to have access to my family back in the U.S., now, but how, how long was it? Because I was seeing the videos of people being quarantined in their homes and, mm-hmm. you know, in the camps and, mm-hmm. you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, how long was it, though, that everybody had like we did here where, you know, you weren't supposed to be going anywhere? And, you know, how long did that part last before they opened things up for you? Well, we had it, it was like a wave. It kept so in Victoria, where Melbourne is, they had the harshest lockdowns anywhere yeah. in the world. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but. Australia's state borders were all shut to each other as well. Oh, no, I didn't. So if okay. you, yeah, so every single state, like in Western Australia, they were closed the longest, and you could be from there and working in another state, and they would not let you in without, you know, an exemption. Um, so it was even more dire than you would think, because at least in the U.S., there was no state border closures, but over there, yeah. they were closed. So what happened in Sydney, though, we managed to, you know, squash COVID for a really long time. And Victoria was in lockdown for, don't quote me on this, but I mean, it was like close to 10 months or something. And there was, mental health was at an all-time low. Um and over in Sydney, we felt like we'd gotten away with it. On top of that, we've got the beaches and the sun. And so they were seeing us kind of living it up. And we had nothing other to do than go to the beach and surf. And however, we then had an outbreak. And I mean, the guy that it was a taxi driver for international crew that supposedly spread COVID. But we ended up in a five-month lockdown over it. And I mean, five months straight, and that was a year into it. And what did that look like in terms of their lockdown? So you were not allowed to leave your home for more than an hour a day unless you were deemed an essential worker. My husband and my oldest son were essential because they're carpenters. Um, But during that lockdown, that was in 2021, we had access to the vaccine. So off the back of 
that lockdown, they insisted that everybody get vaccinated. And they were going for a 94% vaccination rate. And we were told by the government that if we got to 94%, then we could talk about opening the international border. Now, during the this... blackmailed you. Yeah, they did. Now, during this, I my, my grandparents, who I was extremely close with in Prescott, um, my granddad was 101, my grandmother was 96, mm-hmm. and she had a fall. And when she was in hospital, they found that she had kidney failure. And they gave her, you know, maybe a couple months to live. And so I decided I've got to go. I've got to go be with them. My family, my parents were out there taking care of them. My sister was going to go. And this was right before uh, New Year's, so 2020, 2021. Um, And so the procedure was you had to apply for an exemption and basically write your sob story. And hopefully the government and the powers that be would say, yeah, that's bad enough. We'll let you go, right? Meanwhile, you're paying out of pocket. I what I was willing to spend was four thousand dollars for the return airfare, plus three thousand five hundred dollars to, on my return to Australia, be stuck in a hotel quarantine for two weeks. Uh, and so I submitted all my paperwork, and they came back and said, "While we appreciate that these are extenuating circumstances, it doesn't warrant putting the Australian community at risk." So, no. <laughs> If you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they're winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Go to patriotmobile.com forward slash liberty or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with the offer code LIBERTY. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. PatriotMobile.com forward slash liberty. PatriotMobile.com forward slash liberty or call 972-PATRIOT. And so I had to spend time with my grandparents on Zoom. And of course, my grandma passed. And six weeks later, Mm. my grandfather passed as well. And it was one of the hardest times of my life trying to reconcile what they had done. That's terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, cruelty of tyranny under the guise of, oh, we're just going to keep everybody safe. Mm-hmm. Um, Public safety. It, yeah. It knows no bounds. No, it absolutely doesn't. And then after that, they came at us with the vaccines. So Qantas, you know, they basically said, if you don't get the vaccine, you will be let go by the state. Um, if you don't get the vaccine, there's no way you're getting on a plane to go overseas. Um, and so I knew that I had to get the vaccine and, you know, there was, I couldn't, we were a family of six, four kids and, you know, it's one of the most expensive cities in the world. And then they eventually locked all the builders off job sites until they would get vaccinated as well. So they basically pushed us up against a wall and it was like, and of course, if you lose your jobs because you didn't get vaccinated, you're definitely not going to get government support either. 
because yeah. you're not vaccinated. Yeah, well, and the and the um, the lie, like right now, um, Twitter is aflame with these people that are like, "Well, you had a choice. Mm-hmm. You weren't forced into mm-hmm. it. Right? You just would lose everything. Life worse than yeah. death. Right? <laughs> you just would lose everything. You'd be ostracized That's and unable right. to eat. But you know, you have a choice. You do have a choice. That's right. Yeah, you're not being forced. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it is such Idiots. it is such a lie. And so, yeah, I I went and got the vaccine, and then a couple. A couple months later, um, I was able to come home for Christmas last year. And then, of course, we all got COVID when we were here. And it was a walk in the park, just a cold. You survived. I can't even believe you survived. How is it possible? However, I did fly home and two weeks later ended up in the hospital and was ignored over and over and over again. Long story short, I finally saw a cardiologist and I had pericarditis as well as a blood clot. And the first thing he asked me, and this is not an alternative doctor. This right. is just your standard cardiologist. He goes, oh, what vaccine did you get? And I said, oh, it was the Pfizer. And he goes, oh, that's why you've got this. It's okay. When you go to get your third dose, we'll just have to wash you and maybe just medicate you while you get it and after you get it because, you know, this is probably going to keep happening to you. And I was like, I went home and I told my husband, I said, we got to get out of here because I'm not getting any more doses and I can't risk getting stuck in this country again. And of course, he's totally on the same page. It's really scary because you realize they have absolute control. They have the power. Yeah. I mean, I I have, uh, you know, several friends who've had heart attacks, uh, Mm -hmm. blood clot issues, uh, Mm -hmm. myocarditis, all of that Mm -hmm. stuff is happening. Now, what the... um, COVID enthusiasts are saying, <laughs> who are also the vaccine enthusiasts, um, they'll tell you that, um, oh, well, that's the long COVID that's causing <laughs> that, you know? Now, the long COVID causes everything, I've learned, right. too. And yes. so whatever ailment you have, you know, oh, well, you know, long COVID. And it would have been much worse right. had you uh, not gotten the vaccine. Right. Yeah, yeah, they tell you that. And the, yeah. I actually think that the long COVID is a really, really scary excuse for medical professionals to put you off when you know something's wrong with your body. For sure. Because how how many times have we heard somebody go, oh, it's just long COVID. No, actually, it was breast cancer, and now I'm dying. Like, thanks a lot. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no. Um, the uh, amount of delayed care mm-hmm. for things that really should have been addressed mm-hmm. uh, is unconscionable. Mm-hmm. And the devastation that's happened in people's lives because they were also afraid to go in, mm-hmm. um, some of which they were just afraid to go in because, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to catch COVID. But mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people are afraid to go in because of what they're doing to people in the hospitals right. and some of the you know medical malpractice that's happened because of this thing. It's, right. it's wicked. Right. Yeah. I have a personal friend who lost his wife because they were so afraid in the early stages that she didn't go and get her normal checkup. And she actually did die from breast cancer because they left it for 10 months and she should have been in there. But because of COVID, you know, stay home. Don't go to the doctor. Yeah. And the amount of people that, you know, died alone in the hospital because they couldn't have family visiting them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we experienced it in our family recently. Thankfully, my uh, mother-in-law did not die, but she was very sick and, Mm -hmm. you know, got taken to the hospital and they wouldn't let my wife in. And, Mm. you know, they uh, they made it so painful, Um, you know, and and we're talking about months ago. So it's still going on. A lot of what they um, instituted. Right. Um, now is even worse. And, and we're seeing this, what's interesting, we're seeing this everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, service levels, just in mm-hmm. ordinary life, what we would have experienced years ago no longer exists. Oh. Um, 
especially in big corporate concerns, you mm-hmm. know, big hospitals, uh, you know, a lot of restaurant chains, a lot of, you know, right. things where just the the service has gone down yeah. as a direct result of what we went through with cur- uh, with COVID. It was like they conditioned to not care about totally. the, um, you know, customers anymore at all. Totally. And, uh, you know, that was the, the stuff that was beautiful about America. It really was. I yeah. mean, and like coming from being in Australia for as long as I was, like every time we'd come home for a visit, we would just go, wow, it's so much better here. Like people are so much friendlier and the service yeah. is so much better. And I've noticed since I've been home that it's really gone downhill and it's yeah. tragedy. Well, it's a, um, I think it's directly related towards our move towards socialism, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and losing freedoms, uh, getting to the point where, you know, people just, you know, they're doing a job because they have to do the job, not right. because the work is an important thing to be doing in mm-hmm. and of itself. Um, you know, we've been conditioning all of these people out of working. Yeah. People can't find employees very easily now. Yeah. Um, you know, the ones that you do find you know, aren't as good um, because of the work ethic and the desire they have not to work, you know, outweighs a lot. Now, that being said, there's still amazing people out, you know, all that, but but it doesn't take much for you to turn that dial away from what we had. And we certainly have. And I mean, I, I hate to say this, but what I'm noticing here in the United States with the lack of, like you say, the lack of kind of care or concern, it's just mm-hmm. like, this is my job. And it's almost like an entitlement, you yeah. know? And I mean, what I noticed was, because the pay is really good in Australia, I mean, I was making 68000 a year as a flight attendant. And what I noticed was when I first started working in the workforce there was that how much complaining was going on. And there I am making all this money going, I can't believe I only have to have one job here. Like, mm-hmm. it's so great. But the service was so poor in Australia because nobody really, they're just like, this is my entitlement and whatever. Like, you know, they're all part of the union. They're all part of, you know, this whole, there's no personal pride really. And it's unfortunate that I've noticed there's a bit of a shift here and it's reminiscent of my first observations of when I was in Australia. And it scares me that this place is going in the same direction because this has always been the shining you know, leader of freedom, liberty, pride. Do you know whom you're voting for? With every product you buy and every dollar you spend, you are casting your vote. Devoted Capital offers values-based investing portfolios that are designed to help you reach your financial goals, all the while making a positive impact on your life and the world around you. They are dedicated to educating, engaging, and empowering you to be wise with your investments and to equip you to be knowledgeable with your vote. Visit their website at devotedcapital.com to learn more about values-based investing or dial 805-372-0821 to speak to your values investor advocate today. Investment advisory services offered through Alliance Advisory and Securities, LLC, registered investment advisor. Yeah, when we topple, so goes everywhere Everywhere else. else. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think that... Uh, you know, Australia and Canada and some of these other um, quote-unquote Western nations Mm -hmm. that uh, don't have the same form of government that we do, they don't have the same principles, same constitution that we Mm -hmm. do, um, you know, moved down that line towards socialism Mm. um, and towards, you know, kind of a tyrannical state control, whatever you want to call it. You know, big, big government, 
dictating in a centralized way what people are going to do, right. whatever you want to call that, because, you know, of course, people argue, well, that's not socialism. Socialism yeah. is us. That's not Marxism. <laughs> Forget the fact that it's rooted in all those principles and, right. you know, the, the people that are saying, um, no, that's not, are idiots. Yeah, um, but absolutely. anyway, they, uh, uh, whatever it is, it was like they led that thing you know Canada yeah. you know you always look to them as like oh okay that's what we that's could what, become yeah. And, and yeah we're, we're following you know yeah. and those are the leading indicators well in Australia like our biggest influence in media of course is the United States I'd say it's for everybody right yeah. and the funny thing is is there's so much there's so much that they've taken on that they think is theirs that is actually not so like you'll hear people in Australia be like oh it's freedom of speech and I'm like mm, that's not wrong country, you know? Yeah. And when what happened with my grandparents occurred, I started doing research because I'm like, where is my rights? Where is my bill of rights? There is no bill of rights. There is no bill of rights in the in Australia. And, you know, when you hear things like it's a fact that in 2016 in Western Australia, they passed a law that health agencies can restrain and inject if it's for the purpose of public safety. In 2016. Mm -hmm. So that was way before COVID. And, you know, these things getting passed through without any kind of questioning by the general public is, you know, really scary. But it could happen here. Yeah. Well, I mean, they'd like it to happen here. Mm -hmm. um, we have several laws uh, on the book, on the books here now in California, including, mm -hmm. you know, the recent um, attack on doctors and their rights. Um, you know, that, that uh, Governor Newsom just signed, um, and he signed it with all these, like, caveats, like, you know, I just, maybe this is going too far, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of a, you know, covering his backside, sort of mm -hmm. a, a speech on it. But, you know, we're going to, we're going to get there unless we mm -hmm. dramatically turn this around. And I'm hoping that in the, uh, you know, currently when we're recording this, this will air in a, you know, day or two, but uh, right now we're 14 days to flatten the Democrats. Yes. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can, uh, we can do that and yes. people will come out and we can overwhelm the amount of cheating and um, shenanigans that goes Absolutely. on at the polls and goes on with the mass mailing of ballots. And, Absolutely. And if we do, you know, I think we'll, uh, we'll have a respite. Mm-hmm. We may not have victory because unlike the liberals or the far left, and I should say the far left, the far left uses political power. Mm -hmm. The uh, conservatives or the Republicans don't. Right. And uh, and it'll be interesting if we can, you know, kind of put a nail in the coffin of some of these, t you know, tyrannical pursuits and right. eliminate some of these things. But right. I don't know. I mean, I've just been, I mean, like I say, I've been back for four months. I've had the privilege of meeting, you know, our local assembly candidate, you know, Cole Bricado mm -hmm. and his family. Yeah. They're Cole's an amazing yeah. family. And, you know, I actually had the opportunity to take family photos for them, which was awesome. Oh, awesome. My little contribution to his campaign. I have been running around Pierpont and Ventura. I just go, just vote, bro. You yeah. got to check this guy out. He's that good. Amen. So it's great to have, it's great to have these candidates and and to know in America that you still do have the opportunity to change something. Yeah. Yeah, we can do it together. So finish your story, which is, you know, how did you, you know, kind of eventually, you know, escape? <laughs> yes. So eventually they did open the border. Mm -hmm. Um, but that that was not you know, a relief for me. It's kind of like, okay, so the border's open right now until the next big thing comes down the line. Right. And so we had talked during COVID and said, when these, when this border opens, 
we need to think seriously about uprooting our lives and moving over there. And it was tough because I had a really booming photography business and um, my husband's a builder and, you know, we were making pretty good money. Mm-hmm. Um, however, money's not everything. No. And at the age that we're in being, you know, late thirties, it's, if you're going to make a move that big, you got to do it and start up. So we basically, um, I came home for Christmas and it was so much better here because we were still mostly locked down over there. Yeah. And I just said to my husband, I said, okay, let's get these wheels moving because we need to make it happen. So we applied for his visa and we did it. You can, there's two ways to do it. We did it with him in Australia um, because supposedly that's the quicker route as opposed to him coming here and then not being able to work. Right. Um, so we applied in January and to date, we do not have his visa cleared. So I moved in June because I'd booked several weddings and we found a place to live, which is hard enough in these times. Um, so I came with two of our children and started working and set up a life. And he is still in Australia with my other two sons oh, wow. working and uh, waiting because that's what happens when you deal with the government and the immigration system. <laughs> yeah, wow. So um, to date, you know, I'm busy working, trying to set up more of a client base and get the wheels moving on the business and trusting that in the right time he'll have his visa granted and we'll be reunited as a family because I, you know, I never thought the United States was in the business of separating families. That seemed more of like an Australian thing. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the whole argument as to why our borders are open. Right. No, no, no. So the border, you guys <laughs> right. just should have come through that way. I know. You know? That's what we've we've laughed about this yeah, so yeah. much. We're like, Maybe he should have been here. Yeah, I, we'd be making great money, too, under the table, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, what, you know, one of the things, and I, I think I'd love for you to describe just a little bit more in detail um, what the lockdown looked like. Because people, again, and I just want to hit it one more time, are thinking of what it was for us. Mm -hmm. Because here in our community, so many people were defying it, right? Mm -hmm. And you didn't have the sheriff's department and you didn't have the police really hassling you. Okay. Um, You know, now they they could have, right? Mm -hmm. But they... but. Thank God for like our local sheriffs here and others that they chose not to. Mm-hmm. You know that's the brilliance of our decentralized policing system Absolutely. here, which is why the left would like to change right. that. That's why they'd like to have more state police, more federal police, right. rather than local sheriffs, right. because the local sheriffs can just say, "Hey, I'm not enforcing that. That's Correct. stupid, and mm-hmm. I, I believe it's unconstitutional, and so I'm not doing it." Mm-hmm. And because they're elected, you know they they've got the power to do that. Yeah. Um, we, you know, like I had uh, weddings in my backyard because mm-hmm. people were getting their weddings canceled. I had, you know, uh, Prager University's uh, um, company party in my backyard, right. you know, during the, the height of it. Dennis Prager lit up a cigar in my house. I'm like, wait, Dennis, not in here. We've got to do this outside. You know, so I gave him a cigar and he's like, oh, thank you. I'll have one of these. And, and we're chatting and he's wrapping it. And, you know, like my wife is going to be home in 10 minutes. Dennis, let's go outside with that. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah. He goes, yeah, yeah. My wife only lets me smoke in one room of the house. You oh know? my gosh! Um, but you know, we were we were having amazing Christmas parties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were we were super spreading like crazy. We were doing our part for uh, immunity. Uh, yeah. Herd immunity yeah. was happening in, in around our community. 
amazingly, people weren't dying. Mm -hmm. Um, Amazingly, people weren't being, you know, significantly hit or hospitalized. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, of course, in the community, there are people, um, you know, that that did get COVID um, harshly and had a rough time with it. Right. Uh, Just like there are with other things that go on in life, including flus. Yeah. Um, We just didn't, we we just don't, didn't highlight it. We didn't Mm -hmm. dramatize it. We didn't, you know, include everything that ever happens to Mm -hmm. everybody Mm -hmm. in a COVID category. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but we were able to kind of just make an awesome life during that time. Right. And uh, other than my gym being speakeasy style and uh, (laughs) us not allowing our doors to be rolled up and, you know, feel like we're working out outside, we had to work out in the box and be quiet. You know, who's knocking on the door? (laughs) What's the password? (laughs) Um, other than that, it was an awesome time for us. We have two major tragedies in this country that I take personally, and it's poor health and veganism. Battle both by ordering from my friends at Good Ranchers. 85% of all grass-fed beef is imported from other countries, but because they process it here, they can slap the product of USA label on it. Because of this, over 100,000 independent American farms and ranches have closed. Good Ranchers sells 100% American meat. A Good Rancher subscription locks in your price to protect you against inflation. Enter code LIBERTY at checkout for $30 off plus free shipping or go to GoodRanchers.com slash Liberty. Every item is steakhouse quality and you can order the finest steaks, seafood, and chicken at half the price of those other online meat guys. And I'll tell you, in direct head-to-head competition in my discriminating household, Good Ranchers just tastes much better. Enter code LIBERTY at checkout for $30 off plus free shipping or go to GoodRanchers.com slash Liberty. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. That's great. You know, um, (laughs) now it wasn't for everybody, but Mm -hmm. we solidified community. Mm -hmm. You know, we we were the rebels. We were the underground force. We were having a rocking time. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's not what you were experiencing. So I just hit it again, what it was kind of like. So the interesting thing, we were in a really great community in a beautiful neighborhood and our local government area, which is what they called your like 10 kilometer radius that you were able to exercise in, Uh happened to be right on the beach. Oh, nice. Okay. So So you were making the best of it too. We were making the best of it. And being, I think being an American had a real rebel heart about it. So we were hosting parties in the house in our local neighborhood and we made the best of it. Um, the thing is, is that every single day during COVID lockdown, there was a press release and they would release the numbers of infection, the numbers of hospitalizations, right. the numbers yeah. of deaths. The fear factor was super yeah. heavy. They had running ticker tape here too. Yeah. And the most, but the, for me, the most disturbing thing about the lockdown was how neighbors were turning on neighbors. I mean, yeah. we had the cops called. I had a woman, but it was 4th of July and we were at the beach with a bunch of people, but spread out, you know, it was our hour of exercise, whatever. And I yeah. I flew the American flag on a pole and, you know, took Budweiser's to the beach and it was freezing because it's winter there in July. Right. But we ran around the beach and this woman hid behind her husband and took a photo and I, my, we walked up to her and my American friend who also lives over there, she said, isn't it great that the flag is flying? Would you like a picture with the flag? We could take a photo for you. But no, she was calling the police. And, and 20 minutes later, the police chopper was overhead 
they couldn't do anything. Yeah, because we were exercising. Out, but they sent out a police chopper. They did. Yeah, wow. they sent out the chopper. So the amount of the amount of police patrols. There was several protests. I was going to go to one. I'm actually really glad I didn't because the the violent force against these unarmed protesters. And as you know, like they have, we, you can't even carry pepper spray over there. There's no guns. There's nothing. And so the the brute force against these protesters who literally were just questioning the mandates and the lockdowns was disgusting. But again, more disgusting than the police brutality was on social media, all of these, you know, citizens coming out against people protesting. These are the people who are going to kill your grandparents. These yeah. are the people. And they would name and shame on the nightly news. They would put up pictures of someone like me. You know, she's a local photographer. Don't support her business. She was at a freedom march and she wants your grandmother dead. Like, and everybody just turned on each other. And I even had neighbors who I thought were really close friends that, you know, after my grandparents died said, look, I'm really sorry because I like you, but honestly, I'm really happy that the border's closed because imagine we would be just like America. And I'm like, that would be the best thing ever if Australia had the the privilege to be just like America. It'll never happen though because of that mindset and that mentality. And it's it was it's what turned my heart against being there because it is a beautiful country. And and don't get me wrong, there are amazing people in Australia. I There's part of me that will always love the place. Yeah. But that changed everything. Um, what were the churches uh, responding like in Australia? Talk, talk to me a little bit about the Australian, you know, sort of yeah. church body and what does that look like? Well, again, the, the, the most striking difference in America is just how much Christianity is still exists here. Australia is a very secular culture. Yeah. And so I had found a really great church and we attended. Um, but of course it was closed during COVID. They did take steps to meet in parks occasionally. And, you know, they really worked hard to kind of keep everybody that we did it online. We had our services online. Right. Um, but I could tell like our pastor's dynamic, but I could tell that he was, very low, like mental health was low because he felt so like they literally would march the police in there and shut the whole thing down. Like it was, there was just no way. Yeah. You know, that was, that was the one thing that, you know, you saw in other places that you did Mm -hmm. not see here. Mm -hmm. Um, at least in great numbers, there was some of it, but the, yeah, marching into churches to shut them down. So, you know, we did have the, you know, rebel churches like ours Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, others that, that stood up mm-hmm. in defiance. That, oh, and you know, we heard about you guys yeah. and we watched and we would cheer you on from over there and just go, I wish we had that, but they, we just didn't have the numbers of people that were brave enough, strong yeah. enough. And then we didn't have any kind of constitutional rights or a bill of rights to yeah. back us at all. Yeah. And people don't, people don't understand that because again, mm-hmm. they just think that, you know, these other places are, are more similar to, yeah. uh, to what we have here and they're not. I just say to so many people, you know, for all the anti-American sentiment right here in America, I wish so much that every single person that felt that way had an opportunity to go to a beautiful country like Australia because in their minds they're thinking, oh, if only I could escape. Guaranteed less than a year they're running back to these shores because it is such an amazing country full of amazing people. And 
however much. When I moved to Australia, I'd had enough. I was like, oh, this place, you know, and the border and Obama was in. And I'm just <laughs> like, this is just, this is a nightmare. I'm getting out of here. And what I realized was is America at its worst is still a hundred times better, you know? Yeah. So, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's, I think that's good for the, uh, the peeps to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Like I just, I can't say enough, like just try and lean into gratitude for this beautiful country and really work hard to preserve, you know, what it was founded on because, you know, when God goes, so does the greatness of this country. Yeah. And we still have it in, in our fabric here in America. I, I feel like it's so easy to be a Christian here in Australia. You really tense up and go, yeah, I'm a Christian, but can we still be friends? You know? And, you know, an article came out recently that 70% of the population in Australia don't have any definitive religion at all, let alone Christianity, whereas here it is in our fabric and it, you know, it really makes us, that's the difference. I really believe it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's changed a lot here, but um, gosh, 2010-ish, I, I spent a total, some total, um, not all at once, of like 47 days in England. Mm. And I was all over England. And what I remember um, remarking was on a Sunday there, Sunday was just another day of the week. Mm -hmm. There was no even concept of you know church or anything. Now, here we've moved um, pretty much to, to be even with that now, mm -hmm. um, outside of our Christian communities. Yeah. But back in 2010, there was still this semblance and idea that Sunday was a special day. You yeah. might have a lot of people ignoring it and, um, you know, playing, you know, taking their kids to, you know, soccer games right. and, you know, things like that on, on Sunday instead of church. But we still had that kind of fabric. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and that was a big contrast for me when I noticed that, that it was mm -hmm. just, oh, it was just another, for many people, it was just another work day right. or it was, it was just, right. you know, do the gardening, yeah, whatever sport. Yeah, yeah. But it meant nothing. And it still meant something here at that time. Mm -hmm. I don't think it does here, unfortunately anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't think it means, you know, what it, what it does out, again, outside of our right. Christian communities. Right. Yeah. It's, it is unfortunate to see the shift. Um, however, I mean, like we've been attending church since we've been home and Amen. we've been going to different churches and, you know, my, and again, that's where it starts, you know, in the family mm -hmm. and then in yep. your Christian communities and then spreading, you know, my daughter, she just started high school in Ventura at a secular high school. My littlest one, who's nearly five, he's going to Ventura County Christian school. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, because I, I really am concerned with some of the things they're teaching in the lower grades before you have a foundation, you know, so he's coming home and singing praise songs. And I'm like, oh, Amen. this is great. My daughter, however, has been shocked to find that, you know, they were signing petitions the other day to completely remove Christianity from the schools, like all the Christian clubs and several of her friends, you know, they, they were like, why didn't you sign that petition? And my daughter's like, because I'm a Christian. And she came home and she was in tears going, I don't think I can be their friend. And I said to her, you know what? God did not call us to shine in a room full of light. God called us to be friends with those people because you shine brightest when you're in the dark. And it's okay to still love these people and be their friend because you're the difference. You're the contrast. And they need to know that, you know, yeah, there's well, a difference better, of opinion. You know, yeah, build her up strong because that gets tough, you yeah. know, when, when they're surrounding you and right. um, and 
the exposure that right. she can get and all that stuff because you know I think it does take a and and you know God bless her and you know mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll you know pray for your family in this sense that you know she can stand right you know and she can be that bright light because it is not easy for kids no. when everybody around them is you know disparaging right um, you know Christianity or or values and all right. of that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's wild. Yeah. It's, it's crazy times. Doesn't matter where you go in the world. It's going to be crazy. Yep. But we have, we have a lot more here, you know, that's backing us and it's not as far gone. Do you know what I mean? It can get that way though. Yeah. I think we, uh, I I think we're, you know, far down the line, but I see hope and I see hope in, um, the generation that I'm witnessing with, you know, with my kids, Mm -hmm. you know, my girls, um, are, are, you know, very strong in their faith, very strong in knowing why they believe what they believe, because I think that's the mistake that a lot of Christian families make, is mm-hmm. they assume that, you know, being even around your dinner table, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and going to church on Sunday, that kids are going to adopt their point of view and adopt right. your conservative underpinnings and, uh, you know, adopt your values and your mm-hmm. principles and all that stuff. And then they end up going to a secular school or a secular college, mm. and then pretty soon, you know, the, they're being questioned on why they believe that stuff, right. and they're unable to defend it because Correct. we didn't, as parents, teach them why we believe what we believe. That's and right. that's what families need to do: is you need to have those back and forth discussions with them, and yes. and um, the you know, give them the arguments that the world makes, give them the arguments that their you know, boneheaded, destructive mm-hmm. Marxist professors are going to make. <laughs> Correct. Um, um, you know, and and have them have, um, you know, the the armor for mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah, you know, absolutely. that's what's important. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that being raised in a Christian home as a Christian missionary in a very conservative family, I I really, you know, I really picked up on a lot of it. But it wasn't actually until I left my faith in my late teens and mm-hmm. kind of went through my own pathway, and then found my way back. And through college being marked down on papers, you know, in the anthropology, because I didn't align myself with the viewpoint being taught, it really solidified in my mind that this is a war and they're trying to get everybody on the same side, you know? They are. Well, I think we're going to have a potential for a great awakening. And I Mm -hmm. think um, that, you know, again, this generation, like my uh, my daughters and some of them that are coming up and these, uh, you know, turning point kids Mm -hmm. and uh, PragerU kids and all Mm -hmm. that stuff that are, you know, learning these things that are um, adhering to faith and all of that. I think they're going to eat these Cretans for lunch. Amen. I love it. So in the last few minutes, how do we support you? And, you know, if we want to follow your photography business yes. and, you know, maybe you need, uh, you know, uh, maybe you need some, some great photography out there and, you know. Well, I, um, my business name is A Jenks Imagery, J-E-N-K-S. I have a website. My Instagram is where I'm most active. And like I said before, I am starting from scratch with a client base here. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to heavily discount my rates just to get some local exposure and meet some people because, you know, 12 years in Australia, we had a really big community around us and it is hard starting in a new country. And even though it's my home country, it's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I've been gone a long time. So I would love just anybody yeah, to reach so what's out your and Instagram? say hi. So it's at A Jenks Imagery. At A Jenks Imagery. All right, yeah, cool. So, yeah, I'd love to hear from anybody who wants to reach out. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, we got a good, vibrant audience. Excellent, so. excellent. All right, awesome. Well, hey, thank you for uh, coming in and Thanks hanging so out with me. Thanks for having me. This was, me. This it was, was special. Great this was to fun. Be here. Thank you. All right, awesome. take care. Yeah. You too. 
Thank you for joining us on Liberty Station. I hope you enjoy the show. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on Rumble, Liftable TV, or Spotify, or anywhere that you consume podcasts. Please text these episodes to your friends and support our advertisers.